Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So this day is a day in which we're going to be talking about anger, and who can't relate to that? Who is here in this room who at some point um, just hasn't lost their temper? And it's something that is actually something that is um, quite real in the life of Moses. Moses, we respect him and know him to be an incredible person and prophet and miracle worker, someone who, in spite of his flaws and faults, God used powerfully and mightily. And he's revered still to this day by many uh, as the greatest prophet of all time. And Moses is someone that yet had an anger problem. We saw that when he was still under Pharaoh's house and he took the life of of an Egyptian guard and, and he buried him in the sand. And 40 years later, God would call him to come back to the very place where he had hid his secret to face justice, but more importantly, to deliver a people who had been crying out for justice. And yet in all of those moments, we see that as Moses was called to be a deliverer, he led them through the desert. And at a certain point when the people became discouraged and they couldn't understand why Moses had not returned from the mountaintop, when Moses saw that they had taken all of their jewelry and gold and silver and had formed a golden calf and done by the hand of his right hand, Aaron, his brother, uh, Moses, in his anger, took the tablets and he threw them on the ground and broke them. And these were expressions of Moses' anger. They weren't things that were ordained by God. They were just the flaws of Moses' life being revealed in front of thousands upon thousands and now millions upon millions of people. Sometimes our anger can be hidden, and other times it's brought out into the open. Sometimes we get anger in private, and there are moments where we get angry and it's very public. Sometimes we get angry at home, and sometimes we get angry in the workplace. Sometimes that anger is directed towards ourselves, and other times it's directed to someone who's undeserving of it. There are many moments in which when we look at ourselves, we can see many reasons why, well, God shouldn't love us, respect us, why he shouldn't uphold us, and and he shouldn't be the one who somehow looks at us as being individuals who are worthy of carrying his name. And yet over and over again, what God does is that he reveals that even in our moments of our greatest weaknesses, God is still faithful to reveal his greatest wonders. And it astonishes me that my weakness doesn't prohibit the wonder of God. I I would think that it would be that way, that my weakness would always hold back God's wonder, but it doesn't. In fact, over and over again, it, it never does, even for people who I think, okay, this is where it turns wrong. Uh, This is where God really 
lets them have it, and yet somehow his wonder still comes through. And so there's a story that is found in Exodus in chapter 17. I want to read it to you, and it's the story of the Israelites, and they're in this land in between. They have left Egypt, but they're making their way to Canaan, and Canaan is now going to become Israel. It will become the promised land. And they're in this land in between, this desert life experience. And, and I believe that many of us find ourselves in this desert experience. I think that many of us feel like we're, we're in some form of transition where we don't like being in the desert. But the desert, the desert has a specific role. And God intended his people to, to be in the desert so that they would not just see his wonder, but that his people would also grow in, in their faith. But, but sometimes what happens is that we, we just want to see the wonder and not grow in our faith. And so the desert is, is very important. The transitions in which we're in, they're key, they're vital to us experiencing the wonder. And we cannot have disdain for the desert. We cannot be discouraged for the time that we spend in the desert. We, we have to delight in the desert. Because the desert is where our faith is being shaped. So that God can reveal even greater wonders. And so in Exodus chapter 17, I want us to read this verse. It's found in verse 6. And God tells the people uh, to stand before the rock, and then God says, I'm going to stand with you, and I'm going to stand before this rock. And I'm going to tell you, Moses, that when you strike this rock, and when you strike it on Mount Sinai, I want you to strike the rock, and here's what's going to happen. Water is going to come gushing out, and then the people will be able to drink. And so Moses does what he's told. He takes his staff, and he strikes the rock. He he does as he's told. And, and what happens is that the wonder occurs. And, and so Moses obeys the way that God tells him to. He follows his instructions, and then the water gushes out. And, and, and it's important that everybody's present, and it's important that the elders are also looking on, because this isn't just a moment for Moses. It's a, Mos a moment for all the people. You, you see, when, when God... When God encourages your faith, He wants to encourage the faith of others at the same time. You see, His miracles are, are, are meant to be public so that others can also be in the same wonder. And, and though they are not the ones who are participating like Moses is, they are benefiting from it and, and it's not just for Moses, it's for everyone that is present. And when I look at the scriptures, sometimes I think, wow, this was a great moment, and it was a wonderful moment of wonder, but for other people. But where's my moment of wonder, God? Where's, where's my moment of the miraculous? And what God does is that he reminds us of stories like this so that when we, we feel like we don't have wonder because of the miraculous, we can turn back to the scriptures and say, God, remember that time you told Moses to stand before the rock and strike it 
And when he did, the water gushed out. Lord, in my season of aridness, of dryness, in my season of famine, in the moment of my life when I am so thirsty, when I cannot be quenched by the things of this life, when everyone and everything is failing me, will you strike the rock and will that water gush out for me just like you did for your people long ago? You see, you can cry out like that. You can put God to the test just like that. And you don't have to fall into crisis. You don't have to fall into a moment where you're just complaining and, 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 and where you feel like no one cares about you. You see, you can call on a moment in the scriptures, even if that moment was not your own. It is the faithfulness of God that has been written and has been pronounced and is being declared over your life right now. That miracle and that wonder is yours to seize. Often we have this expression of being between a rock and a hard place. It seems like we're just being squeezed and, and oppressed. And I know that many of us in this room have experienced the, uh, various forms of oppression. Sometimes we can feel oppressed by what is our choice and our choosing. Sometimes we can be oppressed by the darkness that lives so predominantly in the life of another person, and we're doing life with them. And everything that is wrong in them is making everything in our life wrong too. Sometimes what we're going through when we say we're between a rock and a hard place, it means that there's no way out for us. There's no relief. It means there's no victory. There's no way this ends well. There's no way that we can experience the miraculous and the wonder. It's, it's, it's amazing that in the moment that we're in and we see Moses standing before the rock and he strikes it, there was a moment just prior to that where the people were crying out for Moses' death. Can you imagine? The only one who could actually perform the miraculous, everyone just wanted to see killed. The Bible says that they were all ready to stone him. And when Moses goes before God, he says, you see, you see your people that have led out? He goes, they're blaming me because we have no water. And it's interesting that, that while they're picking up stones, ready to kill Moses, God is going to make water come from the stone. And I just think about all the ways that I, that I try to kill my faith. Or I try to kill my opportunity for the miraculous. Or try to kill my chance at wonder. All the ways that through my complaining and living in crisis and, and my belief that I'm in the desert and there's no way that I'm getting out of this, my negativity is choking out the possibility that God can do something. And all along, I'm there angry and I'm holding my stone and I don't want to just throw it at Moses and end his life. I want to throw it at God and end his. 
so that I don't have to deal with him anymore. Oh man, I, I, I can speak profoundly on this because I've, I've been there. I've been there so many times where I've stood before God and I just wanted to stone him to death because of the moment that I was in. Anybody else? And so in a moment in which the people can strike Moses, God saves Moses. And he tells Moses to strike the rock instead. And, and all of a sudden we see this disobedient, very stubborn personality of Moses. That's really who he is. Like we see that not just when he was in Egypt and under Pharaoh, but we see that at the burning bush. Look at how hard it was for God to convince him to just step out and do what he was telling him to do. You see, that stubbornness, that rebelliousness that was in, is in Moses was, was still with him, even at this point. It, it, it doesn't ever fully go away. I, 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 wish, I wish it did for all of us, like, that we would never have to worry about it again. But here's the thing. Once God has allowed Satan to show and to reveal that which is wrong and broken in us, that's our moment to say, God, take my weakness and let it become your strength so that it doesn't destroy me. And, and there's something about Moses that he hasn't done this yet in his own life. And so he's, he's going from a place of obedience now from his stubbornness. And normally you would imagine that he would be resistant to what God would say. But in this moment, he fully obeys and he does exactly what he's told. And he strikes the rock and water comes from it. And, and this is important, why? Because God wants to show all of the people that life will always spring forth from death when God speaks his word. And I, I, I look at the rock that may be my life, my heart. <laughs> oh, I look at the rock that may be in my hand or, or, or maybe that, that is just in my way like an obstacle, like, like an unsurmountable challenge in my life. And I say, God, can, can you make life spring forth from this? And then my answer needs to be yes, because you've done it before. And Lord, I will not look at this rock the same way. I will not believe in you the way that I have in the past. I will not think of my relationship with you as, as something that cannot have life, that feels like death, but instead I will believe that I can move from doubt and fear to a place of trust and faith. And I believe that God is doing that for us every day, but, but we're sometimes just missing out on it. I believe that he's showing us these things, but we can miss out on it just like the Israelites did. You know, they were missing out on the lessons, and because they were missing out on the lessons, even though there were miracles and wonders, they were still wandering. I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be you. Where God, who performs the miracle, and reveals his wonder, 
wants to stop us from wandering aimlessly in this life and instead wants us to get to the destination that he has in store for us. God is saying, I want to move you from a life-threatening situation to one that is life-giving. And I, I don't know what your situation is right now, but I'm sure that there's something in front of you that is telling you that this is life-threatening. I, 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 don't, I, I can't imagine that you are here and, and you don't feel some of that, that you don't see some of that in your life. You know, maybe you're, you're, you're one paycheck away from disaster. Maybe you're one medical exam away from bad news. Maybe you're just holding on to whatever sanity is left as you are just pushed to the limits by your children or, or, or just from the emptiness of maybe not having them. There's so many things that can come into our lives that can, can push us to the place where we feel that our life, the way that we envision and imagine our life should be and should have been, it has just been threatened. But what God says is that in this moment of being in the desert, the harsh conditions of the desert, these are the moments where I want to prove to you that I still love you, that I am still faithful to you, that I can move you from miracle to miracle to wonder to wonder. You see, I'm going to use this season of your life not to show how you are forsaken, but how instead you are forever mine. You see, God is saying the transitions are intended to train and transform us if we will let them do that. Otherwise, we will keep wandering. And the God who wants to get us there, we're going to be stuck in this thing where We'll just keep telling ourselves, well, I'm getting there. And the years just keep slipping by. And we'll look at those years and we'll say, well, my life could have turned out different. But here's, and here's where, here's where we failed. We didn't allow for it to train and transform us. And so I want to tell you the story as it continues, because you would think this would be the one time where we'd be able to just look at this and say, well, Moses learned, you know, the people understood. Uh, they're not holding stones in their hands anymore. They're not seeing God as just one big angry stone ready to roll over them. But in Numbers chapter 20, take a look at verse 8 to verse 11. It says, take the staff that you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. And then he says, I want you to speak to that rock before their eyes, and it's going to pour out its water. It's very important that we pay attention to the fact that he says, speak. Because in the first passage that we read, he was told to strike. But now he's being told to speak. And then it says, you're going to bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. And so Moses took the, slab, the staff that was from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. And, and then Aaron and, and Moses gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. I like how he calls them that. <laughs> you can tell he's, whew, he's had enough, right? 
Yeah, it's not very uplifting to call someone a rebel if you want them to stop rebelling. It's not, it's not usually what you do to try to, you know, coach someone up to, you know, to reaching a new level, a new standard. You know, if you want them to understand, you know, who they're supposed to be in God, but he's just like clearly had enough and doesn't care. And he says, we must do this. So I'm going to tell you what God has said. And he said, we're going to bring you water out of this rock. And then Moses raised his arm. And then look at this. He struck the rock twice with a staff. And water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. And so Moses does the wrong thing. He doesn't follow what God has said. God told him to speak. And Moses didn't. He struck the rock instead. And he didn't just strike it once. He struck it twice. And you can tell when he calls them rebels that he's angry. And when he strikes the rock, he does it out of anger. He doesn't do it out of obedience. He does it out of anger. And I I don't think he's just angry at the people. I believe he's also angry at God. Anybody else think that too? Because God looks at Moses and he looks at him very differently this time. And what God does in this moment is that he wants the people to understand that that he is the source of life. And so that's why the people had to be present because no matter what the situation was, God has to be the source of life. So how many of us are sometimes driven towards finding a solution more than praying for one? I think that's me. Like, I mean, honestly, my first thought is often, I I gotta figure this out. My, My second thought is after I can't figure it out or I've tried and I failed, Maybe I should spend some time in prayer. I think there's this natural tendency in all of us to have water gush from the rock by striking it. And so this natural tendency to try to do something, to act and to behave in whatever way is required, no matter what our emotions or our words are, God is saying this is not how you are going to be trained and transformed in the desert season of your life. He says, I want you to get that I am the source of life, that I, God, alone am. And then he says to Moses, why do you strike the rock when I told you it was time to speak? And to me it means, why are you acting? Why are you trying to work out a solution Why are you talking to everyone? Why are you going through your contacts? Why are you looking for someone who can perform a miracle that is human when I alone am the source of the water that you need to gush out from this rock? And God is saying, when you get angry, here's what happens. You lose your voice. You see, when you get angry, you disobey. That's why God says, you know, it's okay to get angry, but just don't sin. I I have not been able to really combine those two yet. Getting angry and not sin. Usually my anger is followed by an action of sin. Anybody else? But what God is saying is that you can get angry at the situation, but just don't turn your back on me. You can get angry at yourself, but just don't stay there. 
I want you to turn to me and I want you to understand that when you get angry, instead of spewing garbage out of your mouth, spew praises instead. Pray to me instead. Don't try to fix this by your hand when all you have to do is speak it. And it will be so. Isn't that beautiful? God said, stop striving. Stop trying to fix your financial problem by yourself. Just pray that God brings you the finances that you need. Stop praying that you meet the right doctor and know that you already have the right healer. Stop praying that you meet the right person who can create openness and breakthroughs in your situation first and go to God first and see what happens next and see who he puts on your path and see who he brings into your life see what he does see how he changes minds and hearts see how he transforms the very person who you had given up on see how God does that because you have made a decision to stop striking and to start speaking instead. Come on, am I the only person excited in the room right now? Right? Sometimes we have to stop striking and just start speaking. Speaking to God. Psalm 37, 8 says, I want you to refrain from anger. I want you to turn from wrath. I want you to not fret. Fret means don't worry. Don't be anxious. Because it only leads to evil. You see, what's beautiful about this passage is that everything in the scriptures is connected. And when we talk about uh, speaking to the rock, the situation in our life. I want us to understand that the rock in this story, just like the water, both are Jesus. In John chapter 7, in verse 37 and 38, I want to show you these scriptures. And it says that on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let them drink. Jesus saying, I am that water because whoever believes in me as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And Jesus is saying, whatever your situation is, if you need water, I want you to know that that water is going to flow from me. So speak to me. I'm going to do it. I'm the water that you need. I'm, I'm the rock that Moses struck. He didn't have to strike. He just needed to speak to. You see, God wants us to move away from a place where we're striking things to a place where we have the faith to speak things. And, and, and the transition of striking to speaking, the length that that takes, that really depends on us. I, I hate that I'm a strike first kind of guy. I'm a doer. I don't know if you have that tendency um, to be professional perfectionistic even the fact that I mumbled that word bothers me so much 
You see, I understand what it means to, to want things to be a certain way. Anybody else like that? I like to keep things in order. When things are not in order, it really bothers me. For, for other people, their disorder is order. They know exactly where everything is. You touch somebody's pile and they'll never find that document ever again. It's lost forever. But, but for me, I, I, I need things to be in a folder, in a filing cabinet. It, it can't be left on a, on a desk. It can't be left out in the open. I'm not going to use that as my reminder. Why am I talking about this so much? Move on. <laughs> it is not important. All I can say about this is that we are people who like to strike. I'm like that. But God is saying, I want you to become a person who can speak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Look at this. They all ate the same spiritual food. And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the same spiritual rock. Look at this. That accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Can we say amen to that? See, Jesus isn't just the rock. He's the water. He's both. And when God says, I don't want you to be the one who gets stuck in transition. I don't want you to be the one who gets stuck in the desert. I don't want you to be that person who's always striking their way to wonder when I want you to speak your way to wonder instead. Um, Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, it says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, um, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. And, and what happens to these poor guys who did everything, right? In their brokenness and in their falling forward, and sometimes falling back. They, they made huge mistakes, but, but this mistake God is not accepting. And, and the reason is, is they didn't learn their lesson You see, they kept striking when God had hoped that by now they would be speaking. And so he says, I, I can't let you lead these people into my promise because you're part of the people who still are stuck at striking. What? Are you telling me that Moses was stuck? Moses got stuck. And he never got to leave the desert. When he died, God had to bury him. He didn't get to see the promised land. Man, I don't want that to be me. Man, I, I, I don't want that to be you. Are you guys listening to this? God doesn't want you to get stuck in the wilderness. If, if Moses can get stuck, then I know that I can. But the difference between what Moses had and what we all have is Jesus. Jesus won't let us get stuck. Because of Jesus, we all get into the promised land. Amen? Amen? We all get in. 
we all get there by putting our faith in Jesus. You see, that that's the only way this is going to work. This is the only way that we're going to be able to make that transition from striking to speaking. And so I'm not striking as much as I'm speaking to Jesus all the time. You see, I'm asking Jesus, Jesus, in spite of me, lead me. In spite of me, bring me. In spite of me, carry me. In spite of me, make sure I make it. You see, you can speak those words right now, and Jesus will do exactly that. He won't keep you from the promise. Because that's what happened to Moses and Aaron. They were kept from the promise from a lack of faith. They had seen wonders, but yet it hadn't been enough. And so let the desert train you to be dependent on the deliverer. And let's stop striking our way to wonder. Let's speak it instead. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Can I ask you to stand as we would do that? And can I ask you to just think about the area of your life where I don't know, you're holding a rock, are you ready to let it go? About that area of your life where all you see is just this giant stone, but you're not getting out of it what it is that you need. Jesus is saying, whatever it is that you need, I can be the living water that can feed your dream, that can feed your aspiration, that can feed your desire, that can, that can meet your, your need and your want. I can do it all. I can, I can give you exactly what it is that you need. I just don't want you to strike your way to it. I want you to speak it. Would you put that kind of faith in God this morning? Would you put that kind of faith in Jesus who is both the rock and the water that you need in your life? Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.